The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Catholic Home on the Restoration Radio Network. I am your host, Teresa, and on this episode, I am joined once again by our return guest, Phil, and by my husband, Damien. Welcome back, Phil. Hey, it's great to be back, Teresa. Thanks. Indeed. And welcome back, Damien. Thanks, Teresa. I look forward to picking up from where we left off. Good. And this episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit restorationradionetwork.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. Restoration Radio episodes are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are listening to our content on those platforms, please be sure to leave us ratings and reviews. This will help those who are searching for truly Catholic programming to more easily find our content. You can find the links to these two syndicates on our homepage. Today we are continuing our short series on the head of the home, being the husband and father. Many of our listeners will be familiar with our two guests by now. For those who missed the first part, I recommend you listen to that one before this one. And in part one, we covered the Catholic Church's explanation of the husband's role and his duties. On this particular show, we are going to be discussing the major areas of attacks on the role of the husband in the Catholic home during these times and sharing some strategies to help overcome these challenges. We can really say that the family has been infiltrated by evil. So let's talk about that a bit more as we move on to our next topic, which is the infiltration of evil into the family, which undermines the head of the home. And Damien, can you please expand on this? Sure. Well, I'm not saying that by infiltration, you know, you're going to give birth to a baby Freemason. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, it would be rather disconcerting to see a newborn baby with a head like Paul VI. (laughs) I mean, if anyone stopped you in the street and said, oh, isn't he a little cutie? You'd know for a fact that they were lying. (laughs) Anyway, Satan's method of infiltration is primarily through a process of indoctrination, and he does this through almost every facet of current day life. And we have already mentioned some of this in the last program. For example, the non-stop brainwashing via television, advertisements, movies, music, bad books and magazines, mainstream news, media, radio, the internet, schools, sports, entertainment, and of course, all the people who are continually under these influences as well. But if at this stage of the show you are feeling a bit vulnerable, a bit self-conscious, that perhaps you and your family are drowning in these ungodly influences, well, here's the good news. There are some things which are out of our control and there are definitely some things which are well within our control. Now, when we step outside the house, many things are out of our control, but that which enters and leaves our homes, that is our fortress, For instance, that which is discussed in our homes, the means of entertainment that we allow into our homes, the people we allow into our homes, and so on. These things are well within our control, and we can easily get rid of them. We know Satan uses these means, you know, TV, the internet, etc., almost all forms of modern day media, to channel us and our children into a spiritual minefield so that we may be blown to hell forever. These modern-day satanic tools are used to teach us to think and act a certain way, the modern Luciferian way, that is. Satan is the architect of a totally godless culture, a purely naturalistic culture, which teaches that life is all about the pleasures and worldly ambition of the here and now. It's about this world and not the next. Well, we know that's not right. He uses these means that I described to force on us all everything which is filth, everything which is contrary to the natural law, Everything which is essentially chaos and non-compatible with true Catholicism. Everything which opposes sacred scripture and sacred tradition. But all these things which oppose Catholicism are what is accepted by the world as right and good. But I think we have covered off on all that in detail in the last show. But, you know, here is where he gets to the husband and the, Mm. the, you know, the husband slash father. That is the weak husband slash father, because this infiltration, which predominantly enters the home via a cable 
or a wireless frequency is like like it's like a fungus which attaches itself to the brains of everyone in the household and then it starts the brain cell decay process well this is why so many people can't see the the absolute truth because uh, their brains are wrapped up in this as you call it damien the fungus luciferian indoctrination so it encloses up the brain it affects the eyes and really makes you blind to reality that's right that's right i mean through these indoctrination techniques Come a barrage of ungodly concepts, you know, bang, bang, bang. There's just no let up. The forces of evil do not sleep. We have to understand that. The modern world tirelessly instructs, in particular the children, but also men and women alike, how the modern world must view the husband father. And this is interesting. You know, we, we've made a bit of a list here of, of how the, the, you know, the, the modern day <laughs> husband is actually seen, husband slash father, you know. He's, he's a complete buffoon. That's one thing. The point to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the next one's about he, the next he, one's about you, Phil. Yeah. Well, he, that's right. He he never grows up. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because I used to have it was a little joke of mine. I used to say, you know, you don't get a uh, you don't get a choice in growing old, but you um you don't have to grow up, you know. Um, and that was a little bit of a joke of mine, but it, it, it really is true. Is is that's the expectation now? Is that the he's a buffoon, but he also isn't grown up at all. That's mm. right. I mean, we see this, you know, with sports entertainment and you know the the things of this world that the man just can't let go of. Mm. You know, and he's discouraged from growing up, and he's encouraged to never grow up. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, another point is he is. He is weak-minded, and he's only really interested in the desires of the lower nature. That's mm. a, that's a mm. huge push in society today. And what about the um, yeah, this notion, particularly put pe- uh, peddled by feminism, is he shouldn't be trusted. He's like the almost like the enemy. You know, the mm. the the untrusted. It's just a man. That's mm. right. You know, and you know he's got no spine, no strict principles that he adheres to. Mm. Mm. Uh, Easily manipulated by his wife and other women and his children like a piece of dough. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, Phil. Modern society also teaches openly that it's really only the women who get things done. Mm. They're the problem solvers now, not the men. The solution providers, the leaders, the you know, the head of the home. But ask yourself this. Is that not, in general, now the way things actually are? Yeah, of course they are. And why? Because men now believe all this garbage as well yeah you know they're influenced by it men are influenced by it i mean in general this is the case it's sad but it's true i mean i recall an advert on the television maybe 15 years ago i'm going back a fair while i know but it kind of typifies the modern day father slash husband and this was yes 15 years ago i remember it was you know you can picture a bloke sitting on the couch you know, he's got a beer in one hand, he's got his potato chips in the other, he's, he's, his eyes glued to the television watching the footy or something like that. And then his 17-year-old pipsqueak son comes in and says, hey, give me the keys to the car. And his father quick, oh, oh goodness me. So he grabs for the keys and throws <laughs> them over to his son. And, uh, and his son then says, uh, yeah, and I, need, and I need 20 bucks, mm. $20. And he starts going through his wallet frantically and, 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 and pulls out, you know, a 50 or something and, and then hands it to him and says, are you sure? Is that enough? It's like, what is that? Yeah. You know, that is, and again, driven by the media, but that's what a lot of men are like now. I, I had an experience with a colleague once when we were out to dinner, um, a bunch of colleagues, and there was a discussion about the family and their children and whatnot, and one of the guys said, Oh yes, you you just got to give your kids what they want. Mm, mm. And I just said, nah, sorry, mate, doesn't work like that at my household. But that's the you got to give them what they need. <clears throat> yeah, that's the caricature that mm. everyone is peddling, especially through th- TV shows. You look at some of these things like Everybody Loves Raymond and um, that old one back in the I think it was the eighties or, or um, early nineties, Married with Children, that where. Uh, Al Bundy or whatever his name is, at the start of the show, he's sitting on the couch doing the same thing, and he's handing the the the, the kids, you know, the, the the youngest son comes up and takes, you know, pulls twenty bucks or whatever, it's a couple of notes out of his wallet, and then the um the the older daughter comes out and pulls twenty bucks out of his wallet and gives it to her, and then he goes to give 
uh, some money from his wallet to his wife, and she takes the wallet. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, that was a shocking show, but um, it's the caricature of the modern man. That's, That's right. Piddled. That's right, That's exactly. And, and, you know, to run with the military theme from the last show, because I think that by now we all agree that we are at war. Yep. You know, the best way to defeat an enemy is to strike at the head and kill him. We mentioned that previously. But if he is not killed, but rather made totally incapacitated, that's still a good result because whilst he is still the figurehead leader, he is completely impotent and cannot direct his forces strategically and therefore effectively. Mm. So without effective leadership, the enemy is like a rudderless ship, which is tossed around in the waves until it eventually crashes into the rocks and finally yep. sinks. Yeah. The sinking process, though, it often begins slowly and one could say gracefully. That is, it's not necessarily recognisable to the onlooker. But as she takes on more water and the weight of the water increases, the speed with which the sinking occurs increases to the point where one second she appears to be floating and in the blink of an eye, mm. she's gone. Mm. And that's mm. like your boiling frog <coughs> analogy, Phil. Yep, similar. You know, the Catholic home or the, the Catholic ship, if you prefer, of which we are husbands and, and the captain... It's a great enemy of Satan because if he can destroy the family, he can destroy society. But it's no longer a matter of if he can destroy society. He, in fact, has destroyed society. And how? Well, because society has allowed it, men have allowed it, and to use a sporting analogy, your opposition is only as good as you allow him to mm, be. Mm. I mean, modern man's been fornicating and collaborating with the powers of darkness for many years. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> and it's almost like you know, modern man, Satan's prostitute. <laughs> and um, what is man's payment for his services? Of course, it's um, eternal eternity in hell. Um, thanks for coming. I remember uh, Dante in one of his works, um, he, he alludes that, you know, inscribed on the gates of hell are the words, abandon all hope, ye who enter these gates. Imagine actually seeing those words for yourself on your way to eternity. Enter those gates and it's all over, as we say in Australia, all over Red Rover. And um, there ain't nothing you can do about it. Yeah, well, we true Catholics of today just happen to be the Catholic troops on the ground. And we are in the thick of the battle. This fight we fight is the fight which is known as the good fight. We are the church militant, as Phil stated in the previous show. We are no longer witnessing the slow and steady death of society. We are now operating amidst a worldwide spiritual leper colony. I mean, look at the rate of divorce and remarried, the number of de facto relationships, and of course now Satan has stepped things up by convincing many people to think that sodomitic marriage is a beautiful thing. I mean, imagine that. Mm. And who is the greatest advocate of this depravity? Well, none other than the Vatican II Satanic Church, headed currently by the Marxist false Pope Francis. Mm. You know, and again, I, I did state in the previous show that a fish rots from the head. And if anyone is wondering, you know, what happened to the Catholic Church... Well, you can blame Vatican too, and you, you, you don't need to look any further than mm. to uh, their supposed popes. Nopes. Yeah, the nopes. <laughs> the no popes. Yeah. So, look, given Satan knows us, his enemy, we are his enemy, and he knows us in detail, he already has a complete dossier on every Catholic husband. Satan knows our weaknesses. He aims to kill us spiritually in order to get to our wives and our children and drag them down to the bowels of hell. So husbands and future husbands, it cannot be stressed enough that Satan wants your family to sink, but you cannot fail your family. You must navigate your family through every storm, and you must do it decisively and confidently with the assistance of the church triumphant in heaven and the church suffering in purgatory, but especially with the help of our Lord and our Lady. So, yeah, it's always um, important to remember, though, that although we can ask for assistance on temporal matters, God will not necessarily give us the assistance that is the outcome we desire because his will is that we receive that which is spiritually beneficial to us and of course subsequently that which ultimately gives him glory to uh, gives him glory um he told us not to worry about the necessities of life if we have faith and trust in him he feeds the birds who neither sow nor reap and you know, look at the lilies of the field as it says in scripture to that end we are not alone in the battle for our souls and the souls of our family I find this helps me, and that is to finish every prayer request with not my will, Lord, but thine be done. In other words, regardless of the outcome, you've already acknowledged that it is the outcome that our Lord desires, and you've already accepted it regardless. It helps uh, as the head of the home to remember that God knows best and will ensure the outcome is what is best. Yeah, that's for sure. 
It's a good timely reminder. So moving on with the program here, modern society has a concerted push to reduce the dignity of the role that men play as fathers and husbands by reducing their masculinity in an overt way, even changing the definition of what it actually means to be masculine. So, oh, yeah. It's, look, it's got so bad that many men, I think, don't ever know what it is to be masculine, possibly afraid to be Catholic men with all of this political correctness, feminism and the pressures of the world, and we've just been talking about the, the evil that, that um, is really battering us. I mean, I've got an example of my upbringing is as good as any. I've only been a Catholic for 17 years. I didn't have a good role model. As a father, my father, God bless him, isn't a Catholic, so I started behind the eight ball. In terms of really seeing what it is to be a good Catholic husband and father, having an exemplar, uh, like the rest of my generation, I've not lived under a true Pope or in a good Catholic culture. So, you know, uh, I recognise that I'm still really a baby in the faith, uh, uh, and and when I was living in the world of the world before I converted, we were all infected by being part of this, as Damien said, you know, the spiritual leper colony. It's another good analogy. Mm. I mean, the most oppressed demographic, in my opinion, in the world is the white heterosexual male. He's literally got literally got no sort of so-called rights, and that all adds to that that pressure on him. Um, add to that, as we've spoken, the brain filling, zombie-inducing mass media, <laughs> entertainment. Mm etc etc endless emails social media the wars in iraq and afghanistan ukraine syria what obama had for breakfast <laughs> what what does obama have for breakfast i've no idea but um, i'm sure somebody knows and it's, it's probably, probably halal <laughs> and then we've got the the pressures of the job if you're drawing a wage um we've, we've spoken about this so it's good to recap though you don't just get to clock on and clock off anymore there's no distinction anymore between work and home this is the norm, and um, it's turning us into sheep, into um, you know, keeping your mind busy, uh, you know, sheeple, as a prominent U.S. libertarian calls us. Um, now, the poor normal working man, especially without the faith, would be really excused for not knowing whether he's Arthur or Martha, as it were. I mean, it's pretty simple. Masculinity is defined by what we've been speaking about over the time of this show, the previous one, and just um, and, and we'll get into it now. Interestingly, I even found a good secular description of what it means to be masculine. And it gels with a Catholic viewpoint, of course, but in a more naturalistic way. Um, I mean, God made men and women to be drawn to each other with complementary natures. Man is the leader, woman as the nurturer. Strong men and loving women, so there's something sort of biological there. Uh, it's a natural attractor as designed by God. So what better way to get a secular viewpoint? Because remember, we're talking about man's lost his identity don't ever know how to be masculine anymore so we look at a secular viewpoint of masculinity from a woman of the scientific sort so this lady has got experience she's a pediatrician she wrote a book about dealing with wayward teenage girls and the stats in the book around teenage pregnancies and other horrid things affecting young girls were absolutely astounding so this lady shows from her research there's a common denominator in these wayward girls um, so she's drawing from her statistics and her uh, research, but also her experience as a daughter and now a grown woman. And it's simply this, the relationship with the men in their lives, their fathers. In the book, she was calling on the strong, strong theme in the, in the book was she was calling on fathers to play a strong role in the lives of their daughters. Emphasis on strong and protective. Now, this isn't all Sigmund Freud stuff. She has actually added a feminine perspective and a personal perspective to it. So I read the book about eight or nine years ago, I think around the time of the birth of our third daughter, and it speaks volumes about the natural ingrained needs of daughters, and also by extension shows that um, uh, it, this is the natural expectation of what it is to be a man, and I can simplify it in my view to one word, protection and security. Okay, that's two words. <laughs> well, you, you, you must have been a sergeant. I've got one word to say to you people. Switch on! In the army. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, that is two words. Um, so, but I'll just give you a few quotes from this book. Um, True masculinity is the moral exercise of authority. Remember, this lady is a scientist, not a Catholic. Mm. All it requires, this is the second quote, all it requires is that you be a man, a real man, which means a man of courage, perseverance and integrity. You are made a man for a reason. You are made a man to be a strong, loving husband 
and father. So listen to your instincts and do what's right. Be a hero. And the third quote, at the beginning of her life, she will feel your love. At the end of her life, you will be on her mind. And And what happens in between is up to you. Love her extraordinarily. This is the heart of great fathering. So that also extends to being a husband. This hit home to me when one time I was chastising one of my daughters. She must have been about seven or so. I was giving her the stern, grumpy dad discipline treatment when she stepped out of line. And she was crying, uh, as is um, normal for a seven-year-old girl when she's been disciplined. And I said to her, in a probably a moment of stupidity, thinking she was more mature than she was, what's my job as your father? And I said her name. And she looked up at me with tears in her eyes and she said, to protect me, daddy. <laughs> and her answer surprised me, uh, expecting her to say, sort of love me or something like that. I responded with, yes, and sometimes I have to protect you from yourself. But that's an example of ingrained needs of the feminine character. Now, Teresa, would I be wrong if I suggested that this need also transitions to the grown woman and is part of what she searches for and expects in a husband if she's not infected with a femo disease? (laughs) Well, well, I guess without explicitly or actually consciously thinking about searching for that, it's probably more of an instinctive thing on our part. I mean, surely no sane woman wants to marry a wimp. (laughs) Well, it goes without saying that a wife expects her husband to protect her. I mean, that's not just physically, but to defend her honour and the rest, and that this protection will extend to all their children. So despite the protests of the feminist, you know, air quotes, emancipators, I think that any woman who is true to her God-given nature prefers the idea of the chivalrous knight for her man to the modern-day counterpart. I mean, there is a reason why... Most teenage girls are all in love with Mr. Darcy. I mean, mm. there's a reason for that. So, that's just a minor example. Like, Damien has a habit of doing the gentlemanly thing of opening and closing the car door for me. And, and similar. Aren't oh, I a good bloke? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's not that common. But And rather than getting on my high horse, like a feminist would, accusing him of implying that I'm not capable of actually opening the door myself, I actually appreciate that gesture of respect. So... I mean, it's obvious that the concept of manly protection extends much, much further than merely the physical protection. Yeah, well, I I hate to disappoint on that one, but the real reason that I do that, open the door for you, is to make sure that your handbag doesn't scratch the car door. (laughs) 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 Moving right along. (laughs) Well, I've got another example of that. My uh, father told me that, um, uh, you know, he was talking to a a friend of his, and um, this is quite some time back, but um, this man pulled a chair out in a restaurant for a woman, and uh, she looked at this when this, you know, the feminist push in the seventies was, you know, growing momentum. And um, she looked at him and said, "Did you do that because I'm a woman?" And beautiful comeback. He said, "No, madam, I did it because I'm a gentleman." Oh, yeah, touche. <laughs> Going back to what Phil was saying about the that book we're talking about, with the author S just said, "Men be men." Mm. I, I think it's, that is so critical. It's a crucial point because, well, there's actually a great saying I heard once. Um, I think it really especially applies to men of our day, and that's don't put a wishbone where a backbone should be. Mm. And like, like mm. you get a spine. So, and it's it's also you're pointing out with, you know, how they've conditioned society for men to be like that. So it's actually diabolically clever how this has actually been achieved. For example, when we were doing the research for like an earlier Restoration Radio series on children's movies and television, we noticed the intense feminist push and simultaneous emasculation of men and boys found in most mainstream media. It was actually truly astounding. It was yeah. just, it was right throughout almost every production. And It's a good show, by the way. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like what we noticed, like that sort of thing can certainly be considered as brainwashing and mind control in the literal sense. And it, mm. it has worked. So the average everyday worldling thinks and acts in total accord with this ethos. So getting back to what you said before. Yeah. Well, look, so so the man has to be a manly man. He has to have manliness. You know, um, you were saying before about, um, you know, I sort of left off with the, uh, this is the natural attractor for a woman to a man is, is the strong uh, man. And um, I think that... Uh, it's not only physical protection, but as your point before was moral protection. Mm. So um, deep down, I think most of us men like the notion of physically rescuing the damsel in distress, you know. Um, but the point is that 
here is a definition of true secular masculinity, what this woman was saying. Strong character, integrity, authority, moral courage, balanced with gentleness, humility, and kindness. So willing to risk all, even his life. Remember what St. John Chrysostom said, um, for the preservation and protection of his family. Not this wimpy, soft, sensitive, effeminate character that the anti-culture would like men to be. It matches with Catholic principles in accordance with the natural law. Yeah, exactly. yeah I think this woman, It's look, it's a good... Um, she's obviously done some good work. There's just one thing she's missing, and that is faith. Yeah. So, the supernatural aspect, but she's right. got the natural elements yeah. Yeah. in accord with the Catholic teachings. Of course, our world won't have a bar of it. Um, it wants emasculated men, as you were saying, Teresa, feminised, weak, against their nature, and the women have to have the dominant role and also against their nature. And it all plays into the devil's hands. Strike at the head and he will defeat his enemy. And the end result is that everyone is miserable. Yeah, The wives right. and the husbands and the children. Yeah, and, and in a contrast of the current world's view of masculinity as compared to Catholic teaching, I recall a story about a seven-year-old child, a little innocent Catholic boy in Mexico, you know, living during the communist persecutions of Catholics. Mm. And in fact, the persecution of everything Catholic, really, in the 1920s. Mm. This seven-year-old innocent child whose father was at the time fighting with the Cristeros in defence of his faith and his family was in the process of being hung. A little boy is hung by some fully grown communist scum while his mother was present. That's what these communist dogs did. They tortured and executed innocent children and made their mothers watch. Proving they weren't manly. Well, exactly. Mm. Well, you know, this seven-year-old child managed to get a hand free whilst he was being hung and with an inspirational display of faith and courage, he pulled on the noose so that he could call out these final words, knowing that upon calling out these words, he would then be physically incapable of taking even one more breath to sustain his life for just a few more seconds. And those last words were, Viva Christa Rey, which means long live Christ the King. Now for me, that seven-year-old child, that little boy, is more of a man is a far more mas and is far more masculine than in general the man of today. Yeah. His mother was so inspired by the courage, determination and the love of Christ demonstrated by her little soldier that she turned calmly towards those spineless cowardly executioners, indeed looked through their eyes and into the darkness of their souls and said, "I have another three little boys inside the house who are also ready and willing to die for their king." Do what you will. Yeah. Wow. I mean, can you imagine what sort of a husband this woman must have had to engender within every member of his family the true spirit of the faith to the point where the ultimate profession of faith was made, to die for Christ? That husband was a real man, and so was his seven-year-old boy. Sadly, though, as a side note, many Catholics cannot relate to a mother who would do what this brave woman did. Well, when I was... Hearing you say that story, um, all I could think of was there's no one you find that in today's society. It no, just wouldn't happen. Very no, no, it's it completely, it's the opposite of what society teaches today. Mm. And why is it opposite? Because, you know, this woman, she did her job and she handed the souls of her children back to God. It, it doesn't get any better than that. She and her husband fulfilled their God-given roles to a T. Yep. Now, I've brought up this example of heroic martyrdom as an example of strength and love of faith and the supernatural courage which springs from that, but also as a secondary objective to stir the hearts and minds in the spirit of charity, mind you, of those husbands listening who are currently in the resistance crowd or with the SSPX and who want to see the absolute truth. Those that are not interested, it's going to fall on deaf ears. But for those who want to see, desperately want to see the absolute truth, but at this time they are experiencing some sort of an internal struggle, this is important because if you are dealing with an internal struggle on matters of faith, there is a very good chance that you cannot perform your duties as husband effectively. It's, I think it's almost impossible. Firstly, you know we were all there. We've all been through that mill, so we do get it. But here is another perspective to consider in relation to the crisis in the church today. And it is directly related to our role as husband as the head of the home. I'd like to point out that many thousands of the Cristeros suffered horrendously under the dictatorship of these communist, these communist animals because they love their faith, but also because they were not prepared to lose the mass, the one true holy sacrifice of the mass, the mass of all times. They suffered 
and gave up everything to preserve the mass of all times. They mm. preserved it for us today. So next time you attend a resistance or SSPX mass, which is said in union with Bergoglio, okay, yeah. and his, you know, his counterfeit church, because that's what the resistance and the SSPX does. They offer yeah. the mass, the holy sacrifice of the mass, in union with that man. Mm. So spare a thought for what the Cristeros suffered. Spare a thought for the little soldier I mentioned who would rather be hung at such a tender age than compromise on the absolute truth that is the faith which was handed down to him. Mm, like the great martyrs um, under the Roman Empire. They preferred death rather than offer a single grain of incense to the pagan gods. That's right. So uh, every time you assist at Mass, to those people who are in the resistance or the SSPX, um, every time you assist at a Mass, which is said in union with that, you know, no prank, who, who's, <laughs> you know, he's made it clear that he hates everything Catholic, especially tradition. Um, you're indeed, you're offering a grain of incense and in doing so you spit in the faces of those who'd rather die than compromise. That's right. I mean, in his own way, Bergoglio and his Vatican II cult of man has, you know, put the noose around the necks of Catholics and has personally hoisted them up and left them dangling. Mm. His ideology is the ideology of Vatican II and everything Vatican II is everything that innocent little Cristero boy died to defend us all against. Now, Satan has learned that there is no way he can destroy the Church of Christ. No way he can do that. He's worked out that the bloodshed of Catholics simply makes her stronger. And this is why his method of operation has changed to the infiltration and he is very good at it. And it's a, let's get back to the original point. The whole point of that story is manliness Christian manliness mm. being a man being a hero for the faith for Christ being a true man and, and it's an inspiration it should be an inspiration to us all it is just such a great example you know and just further with what you said Phil don't offer the grain of incense mm. just don't do it yeah and I'm going back to something Phil discussed earlier <clears throat> from the wife's perspective I just want to add that we women need to understand that men and women are different. Now, I know it sounds like a no-brainer, but the lines are now so blurred that it's worth reminding us all of this fact. And like, God made us different so we can achieve different purposes. So even though the modern world has been preaching to us a lie that we women can do everything men can do, oh, and better, and that we should be empowered to make our decisions and have the final say in how our families are run and the rest, the fact is that we won't be happy trying to be the head of the home, otherwise known as the boss of the sandpit, um, we actually will be fulfilled and truly happy only if we accept our state in life according to the way that God ordained it. Now, actually, I'm relieved and very grateful that I don't have the final say. So our wives who accept the hierarchical structure of God's design for his creatures will reap the benefits of this because, quite simply, who could possibly know better than our divine creator himself how we function best and can achieve true happiness in this life and the next? Now we come to the practical considerations for defending against the attacks on the head of the home. So how do husbands defend against the attacks? Well, I think that the first thing that Catholic husbands or potential husbands need to do is recognise that you know, they're not immune to the infection of the world. We all need to recognise that because we are, none of us are immune to the infection of the world. I mentioned earlier that if you don't have a sense that you and your family is under attack, in fact, I think I mentioned that in the last show, then you have a problem. The devil leaves the lost alone if he believes they are already his, but he does strike relentlessly at those who oppose him. I mean, look at the attacks on the curé of ours. There's a good example. I also recall Father Bernard Utley, a Benedictine priest, who mentioned that although um, very thick, even the walls of the monastery were porous meaning that even in the seclusion of a recluse religious order, protected by bricks and mortar, the effects of the world still seep in. So I think the first thing we need to do to defend against the attacks is become aware that we actually are under attack, because if you, you can't fix a problem if you're not actually aware of it. Yeah, and from there, you recognise we're under attack, we then need to put a plan in place to counter that attack, and we can do this if we use our role and duties as a guide. Um, you know, they could be like a blueprint, operating procedure, SLPs. <laughs> <laughs> and if we stick with that, we'll be on the right track. 
but I don't think you can go past the best possible defence mechanism, which is actually living your faith, as we spoke about in the first show. If we're living our faith, then we will maintain our souls in the state of grace. And although the attacks will never cease, um, you take that as a bit of consolation, really. The beauty of a soul in the state of grace is something which Satan and his cronies are repelled by. Mm. So how do husbands win these spiritual battles and ultimately the war? Well, let's go back to the, you know, the military analogy or the military theme and understand that the best form of defense is to attack. So we Catholic husbands must fight back and fight back both smart and hard, ensuring that our plan of attack is in accordance, of course, with Christ's teachings. If we do this, we are starting off on the right foot because we have the truth on our side. And if we have the truth on our side, then we have everything. When our will and intellect are rowing the boat in the same direction and they are completely aligned with reality, then we have the truth. Mm. We have a saying here in Australia, and that is, get some mongrel in your guts. <laughs> and that means, inspire some aggression within yourself and channel that aggression against Satan and his reprobate minions in a way which is well thought out and therefore well organised and prepared. And then execute your attack in the full knowledge that you will win the battle. In believing that you will win, you are already 80% of the way there. The rest is execution. And so, how do we win this war? Well, for a start... If you don't know your enemy, as we have mentioned, you cannot defeat him. We already know that Satan knows us intimately, but do we actually know him? We know he is extremely intelligent and well-resourced. We also know his greatest weaknesses are his pride and his unquenchable thirst for vengeance. Interestingly, in the City of God, private revelations of Venerable Mary of Agreda, she outlines that Satan stated shortly after the crucifixion, Upon finally knowing at that point that Jesus, our Saviour, is indeed the Messiah, he stated that if he were to gain the soul of every human being and also the Son of Man himself, his thirst for vengeance would still not be quenched. So, you know, he has a rabid thirst and it, it's unquenchable. So be under no illusion, he is focused, highly intelligent and highly resourced, but he can only defeat us if we dig a deep hole in the sand and stick our heads in it. Simple as that. Mm. So do this and you're finished. And so is your family. That's just a fact. So we husbands need to be up and about. That is, we need to be alert and always anticipating his attack. We must carry out our duties correctly. But all this is useless if we do not access the heavenly arsenal at our disposal. And that is, of course, the power of God. Yep. So well, how should husbands go about accessing this heavenly arsenal as you described it? Well... We access this heavenly arsenal, you know, the power of God through prayer and sacrifice. I think, you know, all Catholics understand that. And by receiving the sacraments as often as we can. And it is, of course, imperative that we remain in the state of grace and continually strive for perfection. So that, that's really it, isn't it? That's mm. prayer, sacrifice, receive the sacraments, remain in the state of grace. That's it. That's it. And, and Seek ye first, the kingdom of God. Yep. Yeah. Because that's, that's, you do that and God will do the rest for you. That's right. He'll, uh, he'll lead you. Yep. And, Vigilance. Mm. <laughs> what goes with it? Yeah, and we, and we do this by willingly and lovingly carrying our daily crosses alongside our suffering Saviour. Mm. Easier said than done. I understand that, sure. But you see, it's, it's not the fact that a man has a cross to carry that makes him a man. It's not the fact that a, a husband, the head of the home, has a cross or a number of crosses that makes him the head of that home. Okay, it's the way he deals with it that determines his true manhood. His, his, his true Catholicity. I mean, surely we must accept the cross and bear it with faith, hope and charity with an emphasis on dealing with it, you know, with full resignation and patience. I intend to listen to this show a few times, by the way, as a reminder to myself. So if I'm coming across a bit preachy, I apologise. I'm going to actually listen to this. And, you know, because I need to put my own advice into practice. Well, well, sorry. sorry. I said, bottom line, what you, what, you, what you chaps are saying is essentially just... Just practice the faith, aim to become saints, and that's how you're going to be a, a good mm. husband, good father, and a real man. That's it. And, Just sanctify yourself. And know your role and duty as a, as a husband. But that's part of it, isn't and it? And yeah. a father. That's right. Um, mm. So the truth is a truth. We, 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 um, we can't approach this fight from a humanistic perspective. It's a spiritual fight. Mm -hmm. Remember in the first show, we talked about um, our battle is not with, you know, um, I can't remember the quote now. Principalities <laughs> and powers. That's, it, it, is with, it is with powers, principalities yes. and powers. It's had a mental blank. Um, 
but it's a spiritual fight. And so the rules of engagement are very, very different. That's right. And they're supernatural. That's exactly right. I mean, having said that, you know, we must pray as if it all depends on God and act as if it all depends on us. This means God expects us to not just pray and make sacrifice, but also to perform our duties to the best of our ability. In fact, our duties must be attended to first, as this is what God has commanded. But then we can have it both ways if we want. We can easily turn our entire day, our prayers, works, joys and sufferings, as a complete prayer for the day ahead. Mm. If we articulate this in our morning prayers, mm-hmm. we have already dressed ourselves with the breastplate of Christ and we have started the day the best way possible. We have started the day in the true spirit of Catholicism, you know, the mm. spirit in which a Catholic husband should start every single day. I'd like to digress and give you an example of the assistance available to us if we do this and then throughout the day seek further assistance from our friends in heaven. It's a personal example where I was on the way to a job, I was in my truck and uh, I was driving down a hill and a police car was coming up the other way and he, he, um, we, we, our paths crossed and I, I immediately looked down at my speedo and saw that I was 10Ks under the, under the uh, or for the American listeners, 10 miles an hour underneath the speed limit, so I thought I was okay. About two minutes later, he pulls me over. And I looked down, his name was Ian, and I said, uh, what, what's the problem, Ian? He said, um, well, when you were going down that hill there, mate, I, I had to take evasive action because <laughs> you were on my side of the road. I said, are you serious? He said, yep, you were on my side of the road. And he you know, continued to lecture me about road safety and whatnot. And um, I was getting a bit annoyed, I have to say, because, you know, I was very confident that I wasn't on his side of the road. However, you know... His word against yours. His word against mine. And he had a little camera in the car and the camera supposedly took the footage and and all that. He said, I have to give you a ticket. It's $185 and you're going to lose three demerit points. Exactly. So he went back to his car and whilst he was there, my immediate inclination in these situations is to become quite annoyed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Really? Yeah, sorry about yeah, that. I'd, I'd have smoke coming over here. Yeah. Well, I was probably more annoyed because I felt that I was a bit hard done by. But yeah, you felt it was an injustice. Yeah, I did. Poor little me. But <laughs> but I did something that you know I may not have done maybe ten years ago or five years ago. I thought no, this is an opportunity. So I said a quick prayer to Saint Joseph. And you know, I take I ask Saint Joseph to accompany me on every job, you know, um, and I know he he helps me all the time, and this is a good example of that. Mm. Anyway, I said a quick prayer to Saint Joseph, and the prayer was to help me to accept it and just to get on with life. Um, if there's somehow he can get me out of it, I'd be very happy with that. But you know, my will but thine be done. Yeah, exactly, and and pretty much immediately, I just I just I was. I accepted it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get the fine. I'll pay the fine. We'll get on with life. Anyway, the officer came back, gave me the fine, gave me another 10 minutes of lecture. And then I said, look, he said, I have to leave. I've just got a call. There's an incident up the road. I said, okay, well, look, you take off before me because I'm in the truck, so I'm going to be driving slower. I don't want to hold you up. He said, fine. Off he went. So... Off I, you know, I took off as well, heading in the same direction as the police officer. And five minutes down the road, I see he's flashing lights and he's out there directing traffic. This is in the country, by the way, in the hills. So there's lots of mm. trees and foliage. And as I got closer, I realised what had happened was a tree had actually come down, uh, you know, come down from the embankment and was right across, like perpendicular to the road. Mm. Right across the road. I've never seen anything like this before. Well, blocking the entire road. It blocked the entire, yeah. well, it blocked the entire road. So I so like. It's not on the ground, is that? No, it was sitting about six foot off the ground, perpendicular, a tree yeah. trunk perpendicular to the. So it had obviously fallen. The root system had sort of given way. It, it fell and it, it stabilized itself sitting about. That sounds very dangerous. Oh, it, well, it was very dangerous because if, if you'd come around that corner, yeah. you would have hit the tree and you'd probably decapitated. So. Yeah. Anyway, I'll try and keep it brief, but not doing a good job with that. Too late for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, um, I pulled up and I said, I yelled out, Ian, do you want a hand? And he looked at me strangely as, as if, you know, well, why would you want to help me? And he said, oh, can you help? I said, yeah, well, I've got chainsaws in the back of the truck. What I'll do is I'll get out, I'll get up on the embankment, I'll, I'll cut the trunk. Then what we'll do is we'll swing it around, uh, I'll cut it up, and then the traffic can flow and everyone's happy. And he said, oh, w would you do that? And I said, yeah, of course I'll do it. So I did that. And uh, anyway... Uh, as I said, au revoir, see you later. He, he stopped me. Uh, you know, we got the traffic flowing and everything. He stopped me and said, oh, he said, Damien, I don't understand it. And I said, what don't you understand, Ian? He said, well, I don't understand why you've stopped to help me. I mean, I just gave you a 30-minute lecture, hit you with a um, $185 fine and three demerit points. Why would you bother stopping to help me? I said, well, you've got a job to do and I've got a job to do and you know, it's the right thing to do to, <laughs> to stop and help. He said, hey, listen, give me that fine. <laughs> Seriously. He tore up the, and, the ticket. Well, what he said, he said, look, <clears throat> give me the fine. I'm going to get back to the office. I'm going to speak to my boss and I'm going to see if we can, we can just cancel this fine mm. because you've given a, you know, a service to the community and it probably would have cost us $400 to get someone out here, you know, on an emergency basis to fix the problem. And I said, well, look, and here's the fine. Look, if you can... If you can downgrade it or wipe it completely, I really appreciate it. I said, but look, mate, I've already accepted it. So anyway, a week later, I get a letter in the mail saying, uh, Dear Damien, thank you for your uh, assistance, mm. uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we have um, uh, cancelled the fine, um, you know, all the best. Well, if you spat the dummy and spat chips over it instead of accepting it, maybe you wouldn't have got that. Yeah, but that's right. But I'm telling the story not to say, look at me. What I'm, I'm telling the story to say, look at St. Joseph. Look at the assistance. I mean, and I could, yeah. tell, I could tell you a number of stories. I won't, I won't labour the point, but I could give you probably another three or four examples that you would just sit there and say, well, wow. And, but that's an example of living your faith and uh, accepting the crosses, asking for supernatural help, to accept your crosses when you offer as you were saying before you're offering um, everything that you do at the start of the day to our Lord mm. and um, and that's there's the reward and that's battling you, mm. you've grown a little bit more in your spiritual life and I'm sure you know everyone would have little examples of that mm. and um, so it's a good really good story well yeah and, and, and the truth of the matter is that hey to, to the listeners out there if St. Joseph is prepared to do that for me, <laughs> then I guarantee he's prepared to do that for you. Yeah, yeah it's, pretty, it's a classic story. And uh, well, before continuing on this theme, we'd like to remind you that you're listening to The Catholic Home on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Teresa, and I'm joined by Damien and Phil. And today we've been discussing the head of the home being the husband and father. We want to remind you that The Catholic Home is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to mail at truerestoration.org. So, Phil, what is it that husbands generally experience as the cross? Well, we, every individual has got his own crosses, as God allows for the individual's you know, spiritual growth. But from a more, oh, I think, general angle, the cross that we husbands need to carry alongside our, our Lord, our suffering Lord, is um, life itself. We talked before about um, just leaving the sanctuary of the home, our kingdom. Um, this is something we simply have to do to provide for our families. We've got no choice but to operate in this today's cesspool of you know, filth and false doctrines. At the same time, remaining in the state of grace. So this in itself is the cross. Mm. Let's look at it from a positive perspective. This is the God-given opportunity to prove our love for him by attending to our state in life to the best of our ability, embracing the cross which is living in this world and enduring it patiently, like your story just then, Damien, to the point where others have no idea we are suffering, but God sees it. We have to rise above it and be that sort of beacon of light in the darkness that all Catholics are required to be. Yeah, that's it. And so, men... Here's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting a pep talk coming out. Right, yeah. If you are genuine about ensuring your kingdom is protected, 
then pull the cord on the conduit from hell which is pumping the mind control garbage into your homes. Turn off the TV and radio, unsubscribe to the mainstream news that you consume, be selective about the forms of media and music entertainment that enters your home and replace it with the faith as the centrepiece of your family life. That's it. You know... <clears throat> Come on, mate. Something that's a bit over the top. <laughs> extreme. Well, that's a bit tough. But it's not. I mean, and, and anyone that is genuine will accept that. That's, that's the way it works. However, if... If you are right now thinking that it is a bit over the top, then, you know, there's a very good chance you are already in Satan's clutches. It means he already takes pride of place in your home. He is the one you worship. His tabernacle is sitting right in the middle of your entertainment unit. (laughs) If you think what I'm saying is too tough, then you are undoubtedly the sort of person who goes along to get along. So these people are pretenders. If if you're in that and look, to be frank, I think many of us have been there at one point in our in our life. Absolutely, know? we are taught that we are we are to be in the world but not of the world. Whereas we often want, and it's it's quite a temptation. You want to be both in and of the world. You know, I get it. Um, yeah, we were all there. Don't worry about that. When I, I mean, I know when I finally come to our senses, and you got to do it every day. Mm. Dear gracious. Um, Realize the negative effects of this mainstream, you know, dung on our family, which is allowed to come into our home. Our TV is never on unless it's watching, for example, unless it's watching a good Christian movie, um, and it's never on. There's no broadcast TV, and it's not difficult to do, and you actually don't miss it. In fact, you get so much more time. That's right. I was going to say, can you imagine? I, I just don't be bothered wasting my time. But but I think that. A lot of people think that it just can't be done. Mm. It's like, no, no, that's normal. That's the norm. If you don't have the TV on in your home, you know, if you don't have these things, then, you know, it, it's, you're, you're not normal. But, you know, trust me, it can be done. Um, and, and look, it can be done within a very short space of time. And if you do this, you will see the positive effects on yourself and your family. Being in and of the world, as Phil mentioned earlier, is diametrically opposed to what the church teaches, what Christ has commanded. And if we allow our families to be educated, indoctrinated by those who hate Christ with a passion beyond all comprehension, then we place ourselves in the very best position to fail. Is it easy? Well, no, but there is only one way to do it, and that's to go cold turkey on everything which opposes Mm. Christ. I'm not sure if our... Um, international list- listeners understand what I mean by cold turkey, but it means just bang, just do it. Cut it. Just cut the tie. As G.K. Chesterton once said, only a living fish can swim against the current. That which is dead flows with it. Isn't that true? Yep. And the current of the modern world will take us all, the husbands, wives, children, in a big barrel downstream, over the waterfall, and directly into hell, if we let it. Now, if I come across as forthright on this topic, then... Look, I make no apologies. There is no place for diplomacy when it comes to outlawing the truth. Oh, I certainly agree with that. Uh, look, my wife and I still find ourselves struggling with this, you know, infection of, of, of the world because we've really only become true Catholics in the last five years or so. Before that, we were converts going to the SSBX and this stuff was not preached there. Or if it was, we weren't listening very well. So from time to time... We often have discussions where we need to keep reminding each other what the structure of our family is and um, these attacks are from the world, but we've pulled the plug. Um, We were infected though, and it's a a diabolical infection. The only remedy is is heaven and the supernatural um, grace. So Just on that, Phil, can I ask a question? When you pulled the plug, did it take long to see a difference? In, in, in the family? Yeah, not at all. The immediate difference. What was the first noticeable change? Um, better behaved children um, and a, just a real uh, growth in our, our spiritual lives. Um, more prayer, more, um, uh, more feeling of uh, spiritual consolations. Um, well, you removed the obstacles, the, the glaring obstacle to grace in your home. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's, it's an obstacle to grace. And as long as it's there, um, you're, you're losing the mm. graces you can be getting. And, what, and 
what can I, how can I say, what did it do for you as the head of your home in terms of, in terms of, um, I don't know, the, the feeling of taking charge, taking control? Yeah, look, I, I, it, it solidifies your position as, you know, king of your home. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't really a debate between my wife and I, mm-hmm. you know, it was, we need to do this. It's gone. And um, from there, it was it was just a strengthening of, of our, our marriage, um, our family. We, everyone still has problems, still has you know, struggles, crosses. We've just been talking about them. But, um, it, you know, uh, we've both done it. Both of our families have done it. And um, it's, a, it's a great source of um, uh, consolation. That's yeah. right. And, and many of our friends that, uh, that attend Mass here have done the same thing. Mm. Mm. And, uh, and we all sit around and talk about how good life is without it. Yeah. You've got so much more time. Oh, definitely. Oh, the mean, time's a Just a zombie-creating thing, and, you know, talking about the TV. But the water is so polluted out there that we have to come back into, you know, when you're out in the world, you have to come back to um, your sanctuary. And if you've, you've let, as we said in the last show, if you've let the devil in through this, through being plugged mm. in, um, you're not coming back to the sanctuary. There is no sanctuary in the last... So this is about fertilising your faith. Um, if you've got people out there who are still struggling with these, with, you know, having the TV, the social media, still being plugged in, uh, fertilise your faith. And so I wanted to, I took some notes on one of Bishop Sanborn's sermons. Um, so I wanted to put this uh, in front of, in front of uh, anybody who might be struggling with them uh, and in order to help fertilise the faith. The virtue of faith, I mean, the best way to grow your faith is to understand what, attacks your faith. So this is where Bishop Sanborn's sermon comes in. The virtue of faith is assaulted every day in three ways. One, the effects of original sin. Two, the faithlessness of the world. And three, the present condition of the Catholic Church. So the effects of original sin, it darkens our intellects. It makes us blind to all these things, mm. unless you're physically told it and sort of, you know, given a shake-up. And effect... Uh, um, Actually, the effect of original sin, if we let it just take over um, and don't try and um, be vigilant and combat this, it can make us into animals. We've seen um, that in the whole all the world around us, aren't we? Yeah, spot on. The faithlessness of the world, this is what we've been talking about now, constantly fighting against the temptation to go along with the things of this world. Even the natural truths of religion and the natural law are held in contempt by, um, by the faithlessness of the world. And so we must constantly fight the temptation to go along with the world of unbelief and faithlessness, uh, the temptation to compromise in little ways, then in important ways until we end up just like the hell-bound pagans, as Bishop Sanborn calls them. Mm-hmm. Little compromises over time, we grow to love and admire this world full of pagans. What a powerful message that is. So, you know, the TV's not bad. Mm. Um, it's... It's a great example. And then, of course, there's the present condition of the Catholic Church. In the past, when the paganism of this world sought to crush the church and our faith, it was possible to keep our eyes on the lighthouse of faith and truth, the Pope of Rome. Never in the past were Catholics deprived of this voice of truth. Today we witness something that would be a nightmare if only it were not real. The election to the papacy of people who have lost the Catholic faith. We are adrift in a great ocean of error, and our only charts are the great teaching of the Catholic Church in her glorious past. Just as God remains the same, so must we remain the same, professing the same faith that those who now see the face of God professed. So there's, how do we, um, let's come back to it, how do we fight against uh, the temptations of the world by grow your faith, fertilize your faith, how do you do that? Well, you make sure you understand how the faith is assaulted. And so coming back to what you said before, not unplugging is one of those little compromises that Bishop Sanborn was talking about. And it does grow and just lets the evil in. So as husbands and fathers, we have to be vigilant against our own nature, the world we are living in, and the effects of the current crisis in the church, especially sticking with the old ways, the pre-1958 ways. Grow your faith by protecting your home and together with your wife, help each other in the spiritual life. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that's really cogent points in Bishop Sanborn, as always. So now this brings us to our final point, which is suggested reading material. So, Phil, 
Can you please give us a list of material that you would recommend? Okay, well, there's a plethora of stuff out there from um, the Catechism to Encyclicals to Sacred Scripture, but there are also heaps of good old books to choose from. The key thing is to ensure that any books, as I said, are, and Damien also said, uh, are references you choose from were written prior to 1958 or written by a true Catholic clergy. Um, so here's a short list to get you started. Ones that I would recommend, um, and I think we've, we've compiled this list jointly, uh, Dear Newlyweds by Pope Pius XII. Excellent starter, especially for those people who are thinking of getting married um, or about to be married or only newly married. But it's also good for the, um, the older ones. This is a collection of short little uh, talks that Pope Pius XII gave to newlywed uh, couples. Another one by Charles Hugo Doyle is Sins of Parents. It's an excellent um, uh, list of uh, and, and exploration of the different things that sins can uh, that parents can do, different sins that parents commit, and many of them are sins of omission. Mm. Um, Catholic Family Handbook, I think that's a, uh, a favourite. Lawrence Lovesick, um, the Catechism Explained by Spirago Clark. We've mentioned that in the first show, and. Um, as uh, Damien mentioned, The Kingship of Christ and Organised Naturalism by Father Dennis Fahey. And can I just take this time to plug that great website, which we use uh, in our family very often, catholicharbouroffaithandmorals.com. Yep, do another good... plug for it. Yeah. <laughs> really good. It's an excellent website. Yeah. That's a great list that you guys have come up with, so well done with that. And I hope our listeners actually do try to get a hold of some of these things and read them. So as we close out this episode, we have discussed the role of the Catholic husband and I want to thank you, Phil and Damien, for your time and being with us on this episode. Now, is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out our episode? Well, I'd, I'd like to say men don't be afraid to be men, <laughs> masculine men, according to your temperament. There's so much pressure from the world, but we need to stand up to it. Um, you know, I've been guilty of being sucked into the world and the pressures of and the temptations, but I don't think I'd be the only one. Um, uh, if you succumb to this pressure, it will cause you an immense lack of peace in your soul because it is against your nature and your wife deep down won't respect you. Your wife will love you more for being a real Catholic husband and father because it is within their nature to desire it and she will feel protected and secure because that's in God's order. Then together the marriage will prosper if you seek first the kingdom of God, as Damien said. You have to lead the family and above all the moral and temporal direction of the family through pious example. Grow your faith. The family is the building block of society and God's order. It is the smallest church, and therefore, like Christ's mystical body, it should rightly have a head. And God designed the man to fill that role and to love and protect his family like Christ does the church. A little bit more of a, just a few very quick points uh, from that uh, Bishop Sanborn sermon I just mentioned. It was the sermon on the Feast of All Saints. It was only recent, and it really hit home to me. Heaven comes at a great price, which is threefold. Deny yourself, take up our cross daily, and follow him. And that, that's where I'll finish off. And what about you, Damien? Well, I'd like to say thanks for having me on the program, first and foremost. I'd like to finish up by saying the husband is the king of the home and his wife is the queen. We are taught that heaven for us can actually start on earth, but we must first and foremost seek the kingdom of God and his justice. If we do this... And it is guaranteed that all else will be added unto us. That's what God told us. That's the way it is. If the faith is the centerpiece of our families, if everything we do is tied in with the faith, then we have the right recipe and we will not fail. We cannot fail. We husbands may state that we are the head of the home, but words are worth nothing. As St. Francis of Assisi said, quote, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words, unquote. It is by our good example to our family and others out in the world, it is the doing which makes us the real head of the home and not just a pathetic figurehead. We must love our wives, our queens, as Christ loves his church, be the master of the house and never stop working on being the best husband and father that we can be. This starts by every day asking our blessed Lord through Our Lady to assist us to be a better Catholic today than we were the day before. Know the evil enemy, counter his attacks, go cold turkey on the things which oppose the sacred heart of Jesus and the most sorrowful and immaculate heart of the Blessed Virgin, and we will succeed. Finally, learn to love the fight. 
It may be the case that never in the history of mankind has there been a better time to gain merit. We are attacked from all sides and every battle that we win, every time we profess our faith to the world, we build up more and more treasure in heaven. And the height of the final place that we achieve for eternity in heaven is directly proportionate to the amount of spiritual treasure we have amassed in this life. Are we going to make mistakes along the way? Are we going to make stupid decisions? And are we going to fail at times? Absolutely. But Remember that failure is the thing that defeats losers, but we can use failure to inspire us, to get back on the horse and push on to win the race. God allows us all to fail at times in order to humble us and remind us that without him we are nothing. Indeed, failure is a reminder that we need him. We all fall along the way, but as per our Lord's example, every time he fell on his way to Calvary, what did he do? Did he decide it was just all too hard? No. He got up and fell down and got up and fell down and got up again and again and again. He showed us that giving up is not an option. He went through all that to save each and every one of us. His sufferings were sufficient to save every soul. But as we know, many are called, but few are chosen. So we must all learn to love the fight and never give up because our souls and the souls of our families are indeed on the line. Well, that's been a real good pep talk for all the husbands and fathers and husbands to be out there. So once again, Damien and Phil, thank you for your time. Thank you, Teresa. You're you're welcome. And we will talk to you again next month as we continue the series. God bless you. What's for dinner? (laughs) Food. (laughs) If you have any questions other than what's for dinner for Damien or Phil, (laughs) or feedback or feed on this episode. (laughs) If you have any questions for Damien or Phil or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at catholichome at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to Damien and Phil. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to our guests and the clergy who help make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosy, or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Teresa. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.